0: Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast. Today, I'm so excited, as I always am excited, to get the wonderful wisdom and experience of our great guests on this podcast. And today, we are featuring Marielle Mosia, and she happens to be in a very unique position. Marielle works in a Title I school as a push-in teacher assistant. I have the pleasure of seeing her in action at times, and she's also a graduate student. In a local college to become a special education teacher graduating this spring. So welcome, Mariel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You're welcome. So there's so much that we could talk about in terms of what it's like to be a student teacher during this crazy time of COVID, what that looks like, what does it look like in terms of the course load and the experience that? Um, you're getting and uh, the overall learning that you're getting as well as because you have the experience of being a teacher assistant. What does learning look like? So can you just talk to us about what your experiences have been?
2: Sure. So um, I've been working as a TA for the past several years um, and I started that around the same time that I started my uh, master's program. So I am, it's a three-year program, so I'm coming to the tail end of it now. Um, But honestly, being in a school while also being in these classes has served as such a useful tool because I'm able to see everything in action and be able to see these things that I'm learning about in school being carried out and implemented in front of me. And I'm also able to become hands-on and do them. But honestly, over the past year, ever since COVID hit, there have been a lot of challenges. Um, For myself as a learner, I like to, I'm a very visual learner and I like to be able to see things in front of me. And so not physically being in the classroom for my graduate classes is a challenge for myself and I know as well as others. Um, So everything is virtual nowadays, but I'm still able to learn a lot through my classes, through my professors. So also now the fact that I would be student teaching, I'm still able to be learning about what I would have been doing if I were in a classroom with students. But on the bright side, I also am able to work and push in as a TA and still be present
1: with students as well as teachers. So I really like what I'm hearing from you in terms of you've been in uh, classes where you're actually able to take the content and see it in action in real-time classrooms. Because to me, that means that the content is relative and useful. Absolutely. And I remember you telling me something about, wow, I've learned that, now I get to see it. Can you tell us what some of that information might be that you find so important that colleges teach um, in their teacher prep courses to make it really uh, applicable to today and, and learning?
2: Sure. So a lot. the first thing that comes to mind for myself is all of the assessments and everything you need to learn. However, it's one thing to learn about it and read about how to construct it. But when you're actually physically doing it with a student or with a class, it's very different because you're actually learning the little mistakes. So the little things may pop up while you're in the middle of doing it that if you were just reading about it, you wouldn't pick up on. Also, I've done research, and I've learned a lot about self-regulation, and I've seen that a lot through your class and your teaching. So that's wonderful to be able to see it in action in the classroom. So they've, they've spoken about self-regulation in class. Yes, executive functioning. And I, on my own, my topic of choice for research has been focused in on that a little more because I find that it's very important, especially in this um,
1: special education setting which is where you want to be when you graduate. Yes, ideally. And <laughs> and I commend you on that because really as an educator, that's what we need to do. We need to find the need that the students have and then educate us even more in the foundation that's been given to us. And that's what it sounds like you're, you're beginning to do in terms of um, executive functioning and self-regulation. Absolutely. So as a grad student, can you talk to us about... Maybe what you know about self-regulation and what you are currently learning and what you see the importance is as of right now.
2: Sure. So in my opinion, I find that I haven't had to, I've seen it in action with you and with a bunch of students, but it works differently for every student in their particular case. Um, From students that I have been able to work on it with and focus on it with, I find that really honing in on what works best for them and what they respond to best and what may not work. If self-talk works for one student, it may not work for another, or if giving them that positive praise that may work for one student and keep them motivated while another, they may need something more for them to really stay focused.
1: Great. Yes. And you're mentioning those cognitive skills that are absolutely imperative to teach children to self-regulate, manage their thoughts, feelings, and actions. And have you seen um, some students be able to self-regulate through self-talk or using the praise? Yeah, absolutely. So I find that
2: many, it's it's so, I find it's so important to use praise and you've also taught me that. And it's so important to use the growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset because you really want to focus on being specific when using the praise and you're not I think a lot of people forget sometimes and I've caught myself as well and I know you've caught me doing it as well but it's easy to um, to praise on ability but you're supposed to be focusing on praising on effort rather
1: than ability fantastic and the result is that we then support that growth mindset that you're talking about isn't it nice when we even talk with one another and we're complimenting one another and and it's not like wow you're so smart for doing that it's more like wow I love the colors that you just added to your t-shirt you created on the (laughs) cricket right exactly like even something as small as
2: you tried very hard on that instead of oh you got a 100 like you need to focus on the effort that you're trying really hard. Or I can tell you studied very hard. You want to focus on those specific actions so the student can go back and say, when I worked really hard, I was praised and I felt good after I put in all that effort.
1: And you just mentioned to me just before we started our podcast today about um, the You're So Smart uh, poster that I had shared the information with you. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. So i
2: you know as an educator here to always try to to praise the student however you're so smart or oh great job like that's such an easy thing that comes second nature for us to say to a student however i always will remember saying oh saying to a student that was perfect they may stop and say wait a minute and next time if i don't say that's perfect to them they may say well last time it was perfect. So what did I do differently that this isn't perfect, quote unquote. And a lot of those things on that flyer that you showed me that you're so smart, things saying instead of, I appreciate how helpful, helpful you were when you did this. So pointing out the actions and being specific about the actions the student takes, I think really makes a huge difference.
1: You know, Marielle, I'm still growing every day too. And um, I've, I've used that a lot. The um, it looks like this almost, but it says you're so smart on top. So I hung it out as a reminder for adults and to catch their eye in how we, um, you know, praise. But, you know, um, apparently one of the teachers from across the hall said, Lisa, can I talk to you? I said, sure. She goes, can you take that down? I said, take it down. What's going on? It's something that's supposed to be positive. And she said, I have such emotional girls in fourth grade, they're taking it as if that paper is telling them to not say, I'm so smart. And so now I've updated it to say, instead of saying, you're so smart, good girl, good boy, try saying. And those try saying are some of those ones that we're talking about now. So can you share with us some of the praises that maybe you find yourself beginning to use with students?
2: Sure, um, I really, I like you have really improved on. I think that's good especially if you were working one-on-one with a student that would may have been struggling on a specific, say a part of a math task and you see them growing and building to say, to focus in and say I'm, that I'm acknowledging you're improving on this skill I think that may stick out and then they'll also gain more confidence and they'll say, you know what, my hard work's paying off and my teacher sees that. Another one I really like also is um, you never gave up even when it was hard. So praising that the student, no matter what, it's so easy for students to get discouraged, especially in the day and age that we're in. And to really reinforce that, again, like I keep reiterating that effort behind it, I think that's very
1: important. So when you say discouraged in the day and age, now you've been a teacher assistant for how long? Uh, it's going on three years. Going on three years. So do you see um, how COVID may have changed your role? And how has COVID, from your perception, impacted children's self concept so
2: I used to be more so, um, I guess you could say hands-on or working with a small group of students at once. However, now a lot of instruction has obviously been altered. And so I still am working with students, but it's from a distance. It's with a barrier in between. So, And it's it's hard, especially when working with younger students that are getting the feel. And this is all... They know. And that's what's hard for me to see is that these kids, this is the only school setting that they've seen with it with masks or half online and half at home. So but I really do think I am so amazed at how resilient so many of these students are, because I try to think I can't even think back to when I was that age. You know, when I was in elementary school, I remember bits and pieces. But to think of myself being learning from a computer like I it's hard for me now as an adult in my graduate school classes, like I give I think it's amazing how these students are able to learn and show up and still
1: be progressing. Absolutely. And they, they do seem as though they are really wanting to be in person learning. Mm. Mario, do you have any experience working with students online?
2: Um, not much. No, because I'm not, when I'm in school, I'm in five days a week. So I don't have any classes that I would be working with the students online.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so what would you tell some other um, grad students or even high school students graduating who they always wanted to be a teacher, but they hear now that there's a teacher shortage and They don't know if they should go for the position of being a teacher. Can you talk to that point?
2: Sure. So myself and my personal situation, I myself didn't know I wanted to be a teacher until towards the end of my undergraduate degree. And at that point, I realized I need to go to graduate school to pursue this. So and I knew it's what I wanted to do. I had a passion for it, working with special Need students, and I just felt that it was something that spoke to me that I had never felt before. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I went all in, I went to grad school, did a long commute, and it's honestly very much so worth it. However, speaking to people that were in my position where I was a few years ago, and even now, as I'm about to conclude my coursework, I really find that. I think with any job, it's always the unknown is the scariest part, and I find myself thinking about that a lot nowadays. However, I think there's always at some point going to be a need for teachers in the sense of students are always going to need to learn, and someone is always going to need to do that for them. So if you if this is something that you're extremely passionate about and you want, I don't think you should become discouraged from the quote-unquote shortage or wherever we may be we, we may be now when a year from now
1: or a few years the it may be a completely different ballgame. So I think I hear you saying follow your dreams and have faith. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And keep that commitment to yourself. That's what it sounds like. If that's your dream to keep that commitment to yourself. Yeah.
2: And it's hard, you know, especially
1: now like seeing
2: how things have changed when I'm about to finish school and eventually one day hopefully have a job, it's intimidating to think if I was graduating two years ago before all of this COVID, before this started, it would be very different. It would be, you know, now you're learning how to teach virtually and in school or depending on the district you're in. So it's, a, it's very much to learn, but I think not only as a teacher are you teaching, you're helping kids learn, you yourself are always
1: learning. Absolutely. I love learning, too. <laughs> Do you, can you share a story with us of maybe a student or an experience that you have that you think that you will carry with you forever?
2: Yeah, so so many students have stuck with me and m- things stick out to me. Um, I also have worked with students with disabilities in an outside of an academic setting. So that's really where I started almost five years ago now, maybe longer. And that's where I really fell in love with the field. And I thought, you know what? I can make a difference with these children. And ho- and then I was like, let me bring this into the classroom. So there's so many, such a range of stories, but there's the students that stick with me most are the students that need the most love that you may not even realize. You know, you may not realize, but getting to know them day in and day out and realizing that all they need is someone there for them, to listen to them, or to be there and just talk to them. You know what I mean? And for that confidence, they may not have enough confidence, and you need to be that guide for them. So those are the students that really stick out to me the
1: most. So it sounds like you have a lot of experience. You have five years of experience working outside of the school district. This is your third year now working in the school district with students so you have eight years of various experiences um and in different settings what would you say at this point would be your dream job you know it's funny you say that because
2: i go back and forth where i started three years ago is completely different than where i am now um honestly as of today i think being in a form of a self-contained class, I think would be amazing. Again, though, any any position I have where I can help students that have these um, have special needs or have anything, any student, that would be all I want. But that's that's my goal. You know,
1: that's what I want. Well, they would be certainly extremely fortunate to Thank have you, you I appreciate by it. their side every day. <laughs> I've seen you in action. I I see your motivation. Um, the, your ability to organize what a kid's need and make it tangible mm-hmm. and as multi-sensory as possible that I've seen you in terms of supporting lessons and the way that you are speaking with kids in a positive yet constructive and organized way where there are still limits and expectations, but you are so well on your way of becoming such a wonderful wonderful and effective educator. I just can't wait to see what your future brings in your very own classroom. Thank you. I I appreciate that more than you know. Thank you so much. Oh, it's truly my pleasure. So if you could um, tell our listeners one way that you could help or they can help turn students I can't into I can, what would that be? Well, I I firmly believe that's a great
2: motto to go by. I and you also always use I can and I will, and I think that is so empowering for these students at such a young age. Especially even as adults, to say that to yourself is hard sometimes. I can and I will do blank. But for me, again, it goes back to that phrase in the sense of building that confidence for them to say, I can't, turning I can't into I can. So saying. Again, not on the ability of even if they got a one hundred percent, or maybe they got two questions right. They those two that they got right, you need to say, you know what, great job! And you next time we're going to study more, and we're keep going to keep launching and keep learning, and you'll see the progress in
1: time. The confidence will will boost. And it sounds like you're using um, some specific strategies there, like the launching that you mentioned. Um, that's really cognitive engagement, right? So I know that when you have pushed into classrooms, you are looking for students to focus before they begin. So can you um, explain how you've seen the times when um, they're not as focused as they could be compared to when they are focused and launching?
2: Sure. So it depends on the individual student, absolutely. But when the student is not focused, and they may not be on task, or they may not have in your learning to launch series, they may not have those specific heart their focus tool, or whatever tool they may need to stay on task, they are not fully engaged in the lesson, and they may be zoning out, and they may not be on the right question, or even if you're saying their name, they still may not be fully present, so really honing in and saying, okay, We need to look to listen to learn, we need to focus and like on the present task and really going on to each individual step because one step one student may be able to focus on see the whole worksheet and be able to focus one student may look at one problem, and you need to constantly be redirecting them onto that same problem. But again that that comes with it and that's just a part of what we do as educators.
1: So you're really talking about differentiating and getting children to, or really encouraging children to be able to focus so they can engage. And as you're speaking throughout this whole time, you're really, I, I love it because you're talking about differentiating. Not every child is the same. Right. And I think for myself, that is something that
2: it's, it's hard to, as a teacher, to you know it's easy to go in and say okay I'm going to teach this lesson and hopefully everyone gets it maybe a few students won't but it's so much more than that especially in special education because you need to differentiate that instruction like I said one student may understand it one student may completely not so that aspect of differentiating has really taken me time and I know eventually I'm only going to be able to embed it more in my instruction because I've never had my own classroom. And I hope that when I do, I'll be able to grow and learn from each student. And every year I have a new class and things that work and things that
1: don't work. And like I've mentioned, it's so wonderful to have you because you, know, you really do hold a very unique position right now. And so when you speak to us now, you're not speaking in theory, you're right. really speaking in what you have practiced and your experience right and and so that's invaluable experience is invaluable and and the wisdom that you have from the five years before the district plus the years now it's really I could see it's building on such a solid foundation that is going to get you through those tough times as an educator. Yeah there are plenty of them yeah (laughs) (laughs) so is there any piece of advice that you would like to give to anyone listening from your point of view of encouraging anyone on the fence of, should I continue with college? Should I just go on to something different? What would you tell them? That's a good question because like we were saying earlier, you may
2: think you would like to do something and then you're in it and you're like, this isn't for me. And that happens but I was lucky enough to enter into this field later on and say, this is definitely what I want. But I think for me, um, it's just exciting. And if you feel that you are excited about it, it, you should be able to see the potential and the possibilities that are coming in the field. And you may not see it now. You may not see it while you're in school, but as you progress and you get to the end, you're going to say, Oh, well, this is real. And you see, you see the potential and that you can make a difference with our students. And that's what keeps me inspired and motivated. And I think for people, just to try to hold on to that.
1: Marielle, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I have to tell you, I and I'm sure my listeners are so excited to hear <laughs> more of your experience and where they lead you in the future. You have such a bright future ahead of you and those children who are going to be your students, like I mentioned, are going to be in such wonderful, capable and knowledgeable hands.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I wanna remind all the student teachers out there as well as the other educators and service providers, get involved, get involved in your field. Um, I think I've mentioned to you as well, right? And to join the CEC, Council Mm. for Exceptional Children, PDK, Special Education Connection. There are so many different organizations out there and they're going to really um, provide you with current research and best practices to help you stay passionate like Marielle is and to help you stay inspired, and, um, and it was funny, Mario, when I mentioned the CEC to you, you had said that one of your college classes had uh, encouraged you to become a member as well. Yes. That was great. I'd love to hear that colleges are so on top of what we need today mm-hmm. as educators. And also to all of you listening out there, if you know any student teachers, any new teachers, please share with them this podcast. Share with them the information because we want everyone to understand that students need to feel successful. And that's the whole premise of this podcast, student success beyond expectations. Thank you again, everybody for joining Thank you us. so much. You're welcome, Mariel. We're going to talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com. Amazon, and TeachersPayTeachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout out on social media.